when a company has an employee that has a very good production rate, but is a total mess of a human being, um, and, they, and if they keep that in place, uh, the whole other side of that machine or that engine or that culture has an, it has a negative effect on that. If uh, leadership doesn't notice it or it goes unsaid or if you don't have a, a, a system in place to have accountability, then there's gonna be more breakdowns in the cogs of that spoked wheel, definitely. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your hosts, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. I'm your host, Nate. And I'm Nate's co-host, Brian. And we have our interview today. We're super excited to invite on the podcast Todd Helm. He is a field supervisor and service plumber with Benjamin Franklin Plumbing in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And he's going to be helping us understand our topic today of killer culture or a culture that kills. And so with that, we welcome to the podcast, Todd. Thank you. Happy to be here. Awesome. Hey, Todd, well, we love to understand a little bit more about the background and history of the people that we bring on the show. So why don't you start us off with kind of how you got into the trades and then how you find your way here? Uh, my story began in uh, like Votech. Actually, for Votech, I actually took culinary arts and uh, ended up not liking cooking very much because once you do it for a little while, you work off hours and run into some of the chefs that are alcoholics and just crazy. So you switch things up uh, out of high school. I started working for a refrigeration company that did um, fabrication, welding, and um, started there, got my feet wet into like the tangibility of things and actually building things that I could walk away from and they still stayed there. So um, got my start there. Um, Worked my way up through that. That was a lot of factory work. Uh, did the same thing pretty much. So it became monotonous. And I was still at that point, I was still you know, 18, 19 years old, trying to get a, a direction in life. So I, I uh, went to Penn Tech and uh, took plumbing and heating, um, which was good. But uh, again, you know, entry level and very uh, you know, basic and... Um, Williamsport is very cold, not a whole lot to do. <laughs> Did you make that decision because you had interest in plumbing and heating, or is that just kind of the next logical step from the factory? I was under the impression that I would need to uh, you know, get a degree or a piece of paper, not necessarily learning, you know. Um, when I, yeah, going to uh, later in the, my career, going to night school for my journeyman's license out of Delaware County, that, that came, that became actually real. But as far sure. as going to, you know, going to a, a college for a associate's degree, it really didn't uh, amount to anything other than debt and having fun. And it was, you know, it was a good time and all, but um, I learned more once I got out in about six months than I did in uh, two years. Um, 
working for a retired Marine out of Westchester, um, where he focused a lot on residential, um, doing dig works, uh, dig working and um, hydronic heat systems, worked on a lot of boilers, a lot of, uh, you know, funny times that you, those, those groundbreaking things, the first time you uh, trap plunge a main sewer line that's full and wear it, and <laughs> all those things that can happen to you. Um, Funny, funny times, uh, thinking back on it. So from there, I went to a different company that focused more on drains, uh, working in some of the depths of uh, Chester, like Chester City, uh, right near Philly, and uh, Newark, Delaware, which is pretty, can be pretty scary, um, especially as a young plumber. Um, being out on your own, they, they basically give you a credit card machines and uh, throw you to the wolves and you're you're on your own um, so you learn a lot you know at, at this uh, younger stage it was the uh, 2000s and uh, people were a little different then you were still using a tri-county map and a pager uh, for a little while <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah I remember trying to uh, flip through the back grid system and try to find your cross crossroad and all that stuff so um, got a background in drain drain repair and um so I was trying to hit all those niches uh there's so many there's a lot of facets to our trade um I did uh I hung duct work metal duct work uh for a summer working for a residential installation company and then went to a uh, a company that did new construction plumbing and I guess that was um uh, the first realization that I was really bad at, at what I did, like I, I could not keep up. Like I, like the guys that I worked with, they were animals in a good way that, that their production rate was through the roof. They were running copper and plastic, they, their, their quota. Like, so you would get uh, four styles of house and throughout this development, you know, about, you know, hundred, hundred, say a hundred houses in a development. And they're all the same pretty much. So in one day, they would switch it up. One day, you'd have two guys running all the copper lines and then uh, go back the next day and do the vents, uh, all the plastic from the first floors uh, down to the basement, and then you're setting tubs, all that kind of stuff for new construction. So um, it was fast, high-paced, sure. um, yeah. and gruff. And the guys you work with were you know, animals where they're ripping through a six-pack and then a 30-pack by lunch. Um, not the nicest human beings on earth, you know, so you're getting yelled at a lot. And, um, also the, the, but the the positive from that is some of the pranks and funny times that, that came from that were, uh, pretty hilarious guys, um, nailing each other's boots to the floor, uh, (laughs) gluing their toolboxes to the floor and, um, funny stuff like that. Um, dangerous by today's standards, but, uh, hilarious to think back on so so from yeah new construction and and uh high-paced plumbing was not my forte i did not like that um so i went to i worked for a company um that focused more on residential bathroom remodeling and still was able to do you know well-rounded things and run a lot of service calls so um from there uh moved to lancaster county and uh, started uh, running service. I built up a service company for a HVAC company. So I spent 
spent there, spent a lot of time doing that. Yeah. And how did you find your way here? So, um, to start on that, you know, 15 years ago or 16 years ago when I was there, it started off really great, very positive, a lot of respect for those original owners. And then um, some of the people that they put in positions uh, weren't the greatest people for that, I guess to say it as nice as possible. Um, so it was kind of a toxic environment, toxic culture where uh, somebody that they put in a position um, basically got rid of their whole service department um, on the HVAC side and I was kind of doing plumbing service under the same wing and uh, I was starting you know, I had there was a lot of stability there because I was there for so long but I was uh, spinning my wheels and to a point where I wanted something more out of life than just going and being a fix-it plumber I knew there was more to me I knew I had more to offer so um, a buddy of mine who I ran into uh, came here ahead of me and um, he's like, yo, you got to check this out. And I was like, God, you're full of crap. There's no way. There's so many. You know, he's like pumping it up. These guys are here really cool. Everybody's happy. He was explaining all the, you know, opportunities financially that you could go with. And I was like, yeah, that sounds like way too good to be true. He's like, after, I was like, yeah, whatever. Okay. And then after a couple of times running into him, he's still happy, still good. I was like, all right. I had had enough where it was, where I was. I said, you know, let's give this a try. And so I came in for an interview and uh, sat down with Aaron and Brian and uh, expecting, you know, maybe half an hour interview ended up turning into like two hours, three hours of us sitting Did around it, Didn't talking. we have a shop tech get his dinner at some point? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> but it wasn't like I was in for an interview. I was expecting something completely different and then end up walking in and talking to a real human like two guys really cool guys that you know had been there done that so it you know all you you guys who else also, was there besides me and Aaron uh, <laughs> <laughs> well walking in there it was impressive to like your your boardroom walking in the things that you you know it was very impressive to like you guys have your stuff together which is huge you know they were running most of that company on sticky notes on the wall and not you know not to that extreme but still it was not this at all so uh coming here is i'm so grateful to be here i was like looking back i'm like man thank goodness i made that decision best career move i've ever made um especially the first part of this year with covid that whole thing that happened uh the owners here like took their time to not only uh, have the vision to stay open and scoop up all that rest of that business but also put it out there, give us the message that, hey, this is going to be okay. You know, throughout that crisis, people were freaking out. I was freaking out because you don't know what's going to happen. And so uh, when Matt and Scott put the video out to reassure us that, hey, through this time, we're there with you, um, it was really reassuring. Uh, they're taking care of us, definitely, you know, the, between the catered breakfasts and uh, the Frankfurter Fridays, stuff that like that that we have here, um, even – uh, getting his haircuts when the, all the barbers were closed. They brought a hairstylist in, and uh, that was really nice to nice to have happen. Yeah, that so. was fun. that really was fun with the parking lot uh, breakfast and lunch and, and the video. And I don't think we've even touched on that stuff here, but this was one of the few companies in in our market, at least, who <clears throat> didn't close down at all and just said, "Here, here are some safety precautions we're going to take." Um, but we're, 
you know, it's it's business as usual. I mean, we're we're doing all the COVID. Uh, I mean, we were an essential are an essential business, all three companies, um, and deemed as so. So we we shortened the staff up that could be in the office. And uh, Matt and Scott, the owners, didn't like go out to their stay home and and you know chime in virtually. They actually came into the shop, maybe even more so than they usually did, and, and really led um, with with courage and confidence. And then we had things like the the drive through um, breakfast and the and the drive through Frankfurter Fridays, where we had breakfast catered. Um, and you could just, you drove through, you put your mask on, the, the guys were out there making omelets, you know, two griddles, six feet apart. And the guy would drive in and he would just get his omelet and be on his way or his, his bagel sandwich. Um, and it was, it was a lot of fun and really cool to still be able to connect despite the fact that we weren't bringing any technicians in the building. It was only essential office staff in here. Um, and most companies weren't doing anything like that. Actually, a lot of companies here closed their doors. Like they weren't even serving their clients who, didn't have running water or sewage draining or power or HVAC working at all. And we actually picked up a lot of clients that way. Um, and thankfully, you know, Matt and Scott led the, led the charge to make sure that one, all of our people had still had work. I believe not one person got laid off all the way through 2020. Is that right, Nate? That's right. Um, in fact, we were looking to hire. (laughs) Yeah, we were. (laughs) We we never stopped hiring. That was another challenge in itself, trying to hire, you know, remotely and, and, and all that. Oh yeah. We, we were conducting remote interviews, actually still do, um, just like FaceTiming people in as if they're in the building. Yeah. It's been somewhat challenging and, and somewhat of a struggle, but to have the leadership we have here that didn't tuck tail and run the slightest bit. They were extremely compassionate with us as managers. Where you know how did how do we feel about it? Are we worried? You know, the answer for the three of us was certainly no. Let's 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 get to work. Let's take care of our clients. But they they handed that to us to hand down to our teams. To just and we've treated you know if anybody was afraid and didn't want to do something, then they just didn't do it. And that's that. If they wanted to stay home, they stayed home. But our team didn't really act like that. They didn't they didn't cower or you know, say I'm not leaving my house. They they wanted to work and they wanted to serve our clients and take good care of them like we always do. And that's what we did. Yeah. Embraced it and went out of their way to take care of us as employees. That's how, you know, from that end, that's how I feel very grateful that I made that decision to come here. So thanks, Joe. And uh, yeah, so in getting here, you know, you, you looking back on, okay, is, is everything that they said going to be as good as it's going to be? So you have that doubt. And then, uh, you know, it comes in. Oh, yeah, it actually is. So um, getting back into it, you know, you uh, I coming from a, a transition where I'm a fix it plumber and not don't I did a little bit of sales, but not a whole lot. Um, but I was kind of like self-managed in that in that token. So I really wasn't hitting a whole lot and focusing on on sales and and body language and and, you know, all the things that make our core values that, you know, the, the gratitude and empathy and uh, drive. I had drive and and um, professionalism. Professional, yeah, and professionalism. Nate just texted me that it's professional. <laughs> so, um, have just having a, a working for an organization that quote has quote quote unquote you know core values is is great. Um, so yeah, looking back, you have reassurance that I did in fact make a good decision. So 
um, yeah, I'm very happy and blessed to be here, definitely. Yeah, and we are happy to have you with us, Todd. And we've been kind of like already jumping into the topic here, which is around culture, and you're, you're just kind of hearing different things that at their face, you know, don't say, hey, this is culture, this is culture. But when you look back on it, you see and, and you, you realize how much of these small things make up the bigger culture. Yeah, it really does has a major impact on you as an individual. You know, you can, uh, you know, going through coming up in the the trades, you don't think about uh, what an impact it has. They have an alcoholic yelling at you all day long. It just it is it is what it is. And uh, wait, are we talking about Nate? Where you came from? <laughs> that's before? just normal. That's a normal day. You know, you're just trying to avoid getting yelled at or um, just doing what you're supposed to do. You're not. You know, people back then, I think, weren't as tied up with their feelings as as we are now um so in our line of work you have our work culture where we are in this building but then we as as a a sales tech you have the culture of the homeowners that you're working for so there's uh virtually an ever-changing world out there that you have to be a chameleon and adapt to as you're going through because you have you know two intelligent sentences to be able to find out how you're going to sell to that person yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about that adaptability, Todd. I mean, in, in listening to your history there, you were dropping a couple uh, hints as to what the cultures were like at previous companies. Uh, and we don't need to go into the details of what those companies were and all that. But I mm-hmm. want to talk about the culture that you've that you've come from, that you've been through, and then how that looks like today. So talk to us about what whatever cultural elements, either positive or negative, that you've seen in your history and then we'll take a look at what we're doing today. Okay, so I guess to start with uh, start with the the positive, you know, there's the morale. Um, you know, in all those companies, there, it was rough, but there was also the the morale of the employees and the the, the guys who I was working with. Um, you know, these tough guys would still have moments where they were funny and just ripping it, ripping on each other, and as you know that that um, gopher or the parts runner at that point, I was like, I could stand back and watch each, watch these guys rip on each other. And it was really hilarious to some of the, the stories that are more R-rated, not for this podcast, but... Sure, after the mics uh, cool down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so, you know, that's the positive from them. So no matter where I was, there was, you know, in the, in the trades, there's always uh, a huge amount of comedy involved and the drama or culture, so to speak, of that either job site or workplace. Um, some of the negatives are uh, kind of, let me see, like so um, when a company has an employee that has a very good production rate but is a total mess of a human being, um, and, they, and if they keep that in place, uh, the whole other side of that machine or that engine or that culture, has an, it has a negative effect on that. So... Um, and one of the companies that I had worked for before and bringing a, a manager in that really had a negative toxic input and basically drove every other good employee away. If, if uh, leadership doesn't notice it or it goes unsaid or if you don't have a, uh, a system in place to have accountability um, where you're checking rank at a door and get on the same level playing field and really have a reassessment of how everybody is individually. If you don't have that, then there's going to be more breakdowns in the cogs of that spoked wheel, definitely. 
Yeah. And I think it's usually pretty easy for people to point to the negative aspects of a culture that they work in, right? I mean, as humans, we tend to have a, a certain uh, level of yeah. negativity in towards us. towards the drama. Right, and yeah. And, and so it's easy to say like, oh, yeah, you know, those guys were complete jerks over there or like, yeah, that guy just got in his position because of this and that. And, and, you know, oh, you know, that guy, he rides the coattails of whatever. And you just, you look for all these things and it's very easy to spot negative culture, but what do you do about it? I mean, exactly. Like yeah. complaining about yeah. a negative culture isn't exactly fixing anything, is it? That's the difference in uh, what I would call a man. A man would look at his mistakes, stand up, fix those mistakes. Um, there's another name for it, but a whiner would turn around and try to blame everybody else for it and try, you know, don't take any accountability for it. So there's those times in, you know, in life we try to lean towards, uh, we're, we're intrigued by drama. So the negative can take a, its toll on you. So if you get caught up in negativity and are consumed with either hate or the drama and how, how it affects you and you're not thinking of uh, how what you're saying or doing is having a, negative, possibly negative impact on people. Um, yeah, that's, that's not the right way to be. I mean, if you are walking into a situation trying to focus on positivity and lift up the other people that are around you, you know, elevating yourself by elevating the people around you, if you're doing that, uh, which you should be, then you, um, you sleep better at night. You have a whole different level of, uh, happiness. Um, and it, and it shows all around throughout your life. So, like when I when I first got here, um, my wife uh, came to me and said, "You know what? You know, thank God you moved there. Not just because you know financial aspects to it; it's more lucrative, but also you know you come home, you're completely different. You are a lot nicer <laughs> to me and the kids, and, <laughs> and you know you still you still have stress, but it's a different kind of stress. There's all this positivity and." You come home beaming and exciting for what you learned um, or the message that like so, you know, on, on Wednesdays we have that message message from Matt, which is awesome. You know, you, you don't find that. You don't see that in other 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 places where, you know, owners, managers are actually genuinely interested in not only, you know, elevating you as a human being, but also, you know, making you a better tech, making you a well-oiled machine in, in and of, of yourself so that you, the people that you reach out to, either customers or the employees, you know, the fellow workers that you're with, you know, everybody's touched in a positive light. And so it's great. Yeah, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. You don't, think, you don't think about it, but, you know, and Brian had warned me of this when we did the interview, or you, you're going to turn around and kind of resent the past employers that didn't have this. Now, you know, you can take it as, a negative thing, but they didn't know it, you know, so there was kind of that level of ignorance that they don't really know any better unless you give it a shot, keep an open mind. Right. I mean, it's, you can only get so angry at a baby for crying, right? right. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and I'm not, I'm not insinuating that other companies are babies, but like there's, there's a certain level of ignorance or sometimes just, um, uncertainty, like yeah. as to how to get someplace. And that's why I'm saying, like, I, I think culture is one of those things that if you, if you focus on it from a stick perspective, like how can we beat bad culture out of people, right? How can we punish it? How can we have consequences for being a negative culture? I don't think it gets you near as far as saying, how can we have a carrot in front of people that is going to 
Motivate. Motivate, that is going to empower, that is going to drive good culture, right? I think it's better to to anticipate employees, how are we going to get them to the next level as opposed to how are we going to prevent them from sliding back to a previous level, right? Yeah, a lot of that is handled on an individual basis where if you have managers that refuse to yell at people, I'm not going to yell at you, that has no no difference, no positive impact on anybody, you know. If you have, it's a lot easier to manage, I think, um, if you have kids where you've done it at a lower level. You get a sense of patience and um, compassion and empathy for people that you don't normally, would ha- you wouldn't normally have, so. Right. So uh, our, our topic is uh, the difference between a killer culture or a culture that kills. And so we've kind of heard some of these elements about a culture that kills, you know, with, with unfair practices or bad management or just negative environment, you know, haha, yeah, jokes are funny, but, you know, sometimes jokes aren't really funny, right? right. And, and so there's lots of elements that uh, exist in a culture that kills. But kind of refocusing on that, having that killer culture, the one that people want to be a part of. Um, what are like some common elements of that, Todd? I mean, what what do you look back through your history and you say, these are the things, whether they were at other companies or at this one, uh, that, that made it a good culture? Well, I guess, like I said, the having clear goals and like, you know, there's if there's if you're in a situation that there is clarity, like you go into the work, you, you do, you have what's expected of you in front of you, you have an attainable goal. So goals, clarity of what you're expected to do, uh, good communication, uh, services, elements in place that make it a better, uh, well-oiled machine with checks and balances. Um, So, you know, a lot of the, you know, the negative things can come from up above and kind of trickle down. Or if you leave things in place too long, they become cancerous. So you have to constantly do a reevaluation in a workplace. So workplace culture, um, those killer cultures, those positive ones are you walk around, everybody's happy. Everybody's, you know, lifting you up. Uh, you can tell, you can tell, you can, you can pull an energy off of, you know, once you work in a, in a home or with people, you get an idea of that sense of uh, energy that you're going to walk, you're going to walk into and whether it's genuine or if it's manufactured, um, you can tell the fakeness of a place or of, of people genuinely. And, you know, like I know here, it's, it's not, there's problems and issues that come up, but they have, uh, you know, they have things in place that do a reevaluation. They, they fix things, which is great. You know, if it's broken, you have room to fix it. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to get uh, belittled. Uh, we, or, we replace it, bro. We don't do repair. <laughs> yes. It's an option, but we don't want that one chosen. <laughs> Now, Todd, I know in some of our previous discussion, uh, kind of around this topic, you had mentioned that having a voice um, in in the company makes for a good culture. Speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, like I was saying about if you uh, walk into a situation when you know you don't you know that the intelligent managers or owners in, in place are not going to like, okay, this guy's got an opinion. Let's just cross him off the list. How can we fire this guy? Do, 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 you know, right. I don't really like what he's thinking. You know, I don't think that, I don't think that that is the way it is here. I think people, uh, are open to it. Now they might not agree with it, but you're not going to get, uh, get the ax just because you have a difference of opinion. Um, so having a voice or, you know, there's that aspect if it might be different, but there's also, um, for people and in, in, in how you're venting to be able to uh, 
in how you're venting, uh, you know, it, have it come out and, and sound. Uh, you, I guess you, you want to be careful on how you're, you're portraying uh, how you vent, where you vent. You want to vent laterally, not upward, so you don't sound like you're <laughs> whining about stuff. Um, but still have uh, a, a, a place in a situation to um, come out with concerns. Like we have L10 meetings that I encourage my team members to uh, give me issues. You know, what are you upset with? What can I fix? How can I, how can I help you get, get like tuck away the the things that you need to tuck away? Where are you at with licensing? Do you have your journeyman's license updated? Did you uh, file for apprenticeship cards? Did you do all that? You know, just you know, trying to help them because there's a lot. There's so much. I remember when I first started here, I leaned on Brennan, our other service. Uh, our other uh, field supervisor, and uh, he helped me a lot. Like so, I had the the technical end definitely, but our processes and all the, uh, the iPads stuff like that that we use to to work with, there's a lot to it. And I had to end up having to write everything down, and then leaning on him. And okay, am I am I thinking right here? So me venting to him kind of laterally, like he's you know he's my peer, not going down with it and ruining the leadership aspect and not going upward with it and sounding like I'm whiny, um, I think was really important. So uh, in this aspect, uh, where you're given more uh, responsibility, it it gives you a better sense. Like, so where I was for a long time spinning my wheels, I didn't have, there was no room for growth. There was no, um, I was quote unquote capped at Twenty-seven dollars an hour, and I could not swallow that. That keeps ringing in my head. Well, we looked it up, and journeyman plumber in this area make twenty-seven dollars an hour. Yeah, and it's like, oh, really? Okay. I, so I have like twenty, twenty-five years of experience, and that's where you're going to cap me off at. Yep. Okay. Well, I have two words for you, and they're not happy birthday. So <laughs> that's what you feel like. So you get all this frustration, and then you. You know, but you're also... Was it you, thank you? <laughs> it's not thank you. Um, <laughs> there is you involved. Uh, th- so you get stability in the long term. Like you got you accumulate you know, three or four weeks of vacation. Um, you have stability with, with, with the same thing over and over again. So some people like that. Um, right, and that, it, that's scary to leave, right? Yeah, definitely. So coming here, like that confliction of, wow, I'm leaving all this stability behind to take on this possible, like these guys are telling me it's here, but I'm not seeing it. So being the skeptic that I am, had a hard time with it until it came around to, okay, the things that they said, the things that they said were going to happen actually did happen. So in that, you know, you're you're not only grateful for it actually happening, but also you have a lot of respect for, like in my case, it's having a lot of respect for Brian and Aaron who did the interview in the first place and told me, hey, this is the place to be if you 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 know you want to make a difference in life and take on a whole different uh aspect to what you're doing sure you can you can be as technical as as you want but if you're not uh if you don't have that transfer of enthusiasm if you're not out there making of making lucrative deals and you know embracing those high dollar opportunities like we get uh if you don't know what to do with it um you're not going to make as much money, but if they, that's the great thing about here. They give you all these tools and 
you know, I don't know of another company that has started a podcast because to, to benefit their own employees, not only to have a constant way to drop back on, you know, because, you know, you have different learners. You have people that are going to be able to pick it up in one shot. I need to listen to something over and over and over again. Um, the Psychology of Selling, I have that as a book, but I also like to listen to it while I'm driving, staring at a windshield. Right. So. Another thing that uh, you've mentioned in the past, Todd, is is volunteerism is an element of like a killer culture. It, explain what that means. Um, being willing to uh, reach down to the guys that need technical advancement, like we do tech trainings here. Um, is that what you is that where you're going with that? Is that I think that's one element of it, and that, you know that's volunteering like as a mentor. Uh, and then there's also like the volunteering uh, where, you know, hey, I got this, uh, you know, like filling an on-call schedule or, or yeah. just helping a guy out, right? Yeah, basically having that camaraderie, that, that the culture of, hey, I know I'm going to need this down the road, so I'm going to go out and yeah, I might screw up one of my Saturdays, but I'm going to go out and I'm, I'm going to cover your shift. Um, that uh, brotherhood or camaraderie, as it were, to be able to step up for each other. Hey man, I got you. I got your back. That's, that, that's the way it is here. You know, when we send young techs out on their own, we're assuring them, Hey man, this is nerve wracking walking into a whole new, new, new situation. Um, the customer's house, you know, very, very intimidating. Um, so what helps them is to know, Hey, you have 10 people who have your back, three managers that have your back. Uh, you need anything at any time, you give us a call. And that's how we roll here. We stand up for each other and um, just having, yeah, having Brian who has our back all the time is awesome. It's, it's totally different. Like uh customer calls in, tries to say, listen, Todd was a horrible human being in my household. A lot of times that's just Agreed. To go some, on, go on. <laughs> that's just to, to get some prices knocked off. And, and then you punch holes in what they're really coming from. So to have a manager owners have in your back is, is huge. I mean, as a, a employee coming from being belittled or uh, segregated, you know, basically uh, swept under the rug with no, no, no uh, voice. Yeah. Coming we, from we take that. a certain approach here with that. Um, and it, and it goes back to, um, one of my mentors and early manager of mine who I had, I had uh, somebody driving next to me. I don't know why this story needs to be put in here, but it's going to. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like one of my morning meetings now. <laughs> I had, I was in my work truck in Vegas and I had somebody driving next to me and it was a husband and wife and they were just clearly smoking a joint with the windows up. <laughs> And I looked, we're at a stoplight, and I looked in the back seat, and they had two babies in car oh, seats. And, and I just put my hands up and went, you know, what the heck, in so many words. Like, what are you doing? And they, you know, gave me all eight middle fingers or whatever. The kids, <laughs> too? Yeah, even the babies, yeah. <laughs> they were a little high. Um, and, like, just peeled off, and then... I, I got a phone call from my manager that said, we just had somebody say that you're, you're driving with your knees and you're on your phone with both hands and like swerving and almost took their family out. And I'm like, wow, I, I know exactly who you're talking about. <laughs> um, and th here's what happened. And he said, 
I'll tell you what I what I tell everybody. This right now, I'm going to believe you because you said this isn't true. I'm going to take your word for it. Um, if I get another call stating that you're driving with your knees and holding your phone with both hands and running people off the road, I'll have no choice but to start thinking that it's actually happening. Did you ask him if you could hear uh, somebody eating chips in the background during that phone call? <laughs> Did they sound like they were half asleep by chance? <laughs> um, and that is the that is the approach we've taken here. Like everybody's going to get client concerns. Um, but is there a pattern? Yeah, and I've never I've never met a person. I've been around some high level um, customer service oriented people here and everywhere I've been, and. I've never met somebody who didn't have client concerns and even people call in and say things that just are so out of character for that person um, that you just know it's not true. But but here we don't immediately attack the technician. I, I want to bring the technician in because that happened to me and even a few clients that said, I mean, we. I had one of my techs here come to me and said, uh, they, this lady found out you were the manager and said, uh, she's, she's this close to not using us anymore. And I'm like, what? I, I believe I only had two, uh, two detractor NPSs in the entire time I was in a truck here. And I don't remember this lady. And she said, yeah, apparently you, you went downstairs to do the inspection. I looked at history. I did do an inspection. You turned on country music in the basement, which anybody who knows me knows that that is <laughs> that not going to happen. One hundred percent true, sir. 100% country true. music. One. <laughs> what would I be doing turning music on in their basement <laughs> for an inspection? For a, and then number two, country music. <laughs> yeah. Are we sure? Um, and then just a whole bunch of other things that I'm like, that that just didn't happen. <laughs> and every now and then you you come across something like that where the Either the person is mixing up two events or is just completely um, off on their on their version of what happened, the scenario. And, and you know, there, there's no way to explain some of it. it. There's literally no way to explain what this what this poor lady was talking about. But I just I, every time something like that happened, I went. I have to be on guard as as a leader um, against hearing something that, you know, you hear something like that from a from one of the people we serve, one of the people who keeps the lights on here. And I don't care who you are, you immediately get um, incensed and you, you can become pretty angry pretty fast and want to get to the bottom of it now. Like, how dare you treat the people we serve in this manner? But if you go at the technician like that, you're, you're taking a brick out of a bridge you've built or you're adding a brick to the wall that you've worked so hard to bring down between you and that technician. To, to connect on a personal level <clears throat> where if you just say, Hey, have a seat, you know, I got this phone call. I got this email. Um, is this, is this how this happened? Can you tell me a little bit about it? And if they say, yeah, man, having a bad day, whatever, I apologize. Okay. Well, obviously that's not acceptable. Can you do me a favor? Um, you know, let's give them a call. We give them a call, apologize, say what happened. Um, you know, maybe even write a, a note, like a letter afterwards to them um, and maybe offer them something from the company. But man, when it, when it's the ones where you're like, what? <laughs> no, that's, that's not what happened at all. I have no idea what they're talking about. And I know this technician to be somebody who is, well, I've never felt lied to by this technician. Let's just put it that way. Um, it, it is us. It is this, this team to take the technician's word for it. 
the first time when they're just completely at odds. And then if, like you said, Todd, if it, if a pattern develops, now we're talking about something else. Yeah. And Brian, that's such a good point. And, and another huge element of culture uh, in, in the support that um, technicians, plumbers, electricians should and can feel from leadership. And so much of culture is really derived from leadership, meaning yeah. that they have all the Huge opportunity impact. in the world to make it either good or bad. That's right. Um, but I, I want to kind of shift gears on that, Todd, because if we're not careful with that, we become the victims of somebody else's decisions, right? right. And and we as employees, you as a plumber, have every bit as much responsibility to make it a killer culture as anybody else in the business. That's right, yeah. So most of our listeners, I think, are probably um, you know, not in, in management or not in uh, you know, that type of leadership, but you can still lead in your own way. So talk to me about how you know, a, a, an employee, a worker, a home service professional can impact a culture to make it something that everybody wants to be a part of. I guess, yeah, I mean, you're gonna have a, a better self assessment, you're going to have a, a better self-worth, a better feeling about yourself if you can walk into a situation and be a shining light and guiding light. So to be positive, to lift people up, I guess if you're uh, entry level and you're in a situation that you don't necessarily agree with, try to find the, the the positive in everything that you're that you're seeing yeah there's a pl- pl- probably a lot of negative that's going to draw uh, anger out of you but if you uh, try to look at the things that you you can learn from if you look at it like okay this guy has screwed up five times in a row they're all different things all things that they've come up you know a positive from that is he, he can learn from it he can he can flip it turn it around, try to make lemonade out of those lemons. Um, it's important to try to focus on positivity, try to see a situation it's wrong. Okay, my integrity and doing the things that I'm supposed to do when nobody's looking, if you have that in place and that's that's how you roll, then uh, you're going to sleep better at night. Because, so you don't have to look back in life and have those chills uh, looking back if you look back and have those moments where you 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 feel like a jerk and uh you know you could have handled a situation better you know you if you learn from it um that that's the best that you can do with it that's that probably be the the best thing that you could do is turn around swallow your pride and learn from your mistakes because i yeah i hit a lot of walls ran into a lot of and run into a lot of negative things and um if you don't, uh, if if you get satisfied with the mediocrity in life, it's just going to drag you down. So I, you get to that point in life where, okay, my you know, my I raised kids, I, not fully, but you know, my kids are at an age I'm not getting any younger. Um, I, this is these are the things that I want to start looking at, and and this is what's important to me. So you have this quarter life crisis, midlife crisis, and reevaluation of. Okay, this is what's important. This is what I want to do with the next twenty years of my life. And I know there's all you can get stuck in your mediocre, uh, easy job that you know what to expect. But if you don't challenge yourself and take a whole different direction on things, I think you're not going to get as much of a fulfillment out of life that you that you would had you taken some chances and jump. 
Yeah, so I, I hear you talking about reevaluation, knowing and asking yourself, what do I really want? Um, keeping yourself positive, not allowing obstacles or hurdles to get in the way and slow you down. And that's all really good and well. As a, from a cultural aspect, if we had employees that were asking themselves and doing all those things, yes, I think it's, it's wonderful um, and that would create a really good environment. Unfortunately, it's not always at the forefront of somebody's mind to do an enchi- entire life assessment, right? Like that takes some, that takes some deep Saturday yeah. night thinking right there. That's hitting the rewind button. <laughs> and, and okay, you're not going to always get a, to 45. Yeah. You, you want to be 27 and have that evaluation. What's a simple question that I can ask myself to know if I am, if I am creating a killer culture or I'm part of the problem. That's a good question. Um, I would say, are you doing enough to help? Are, are you know what have you you know what have you done lately for to benefit the situation of somebody else? Like, what have you done for somebody else lately? Uh, so that that selflessness. Yeah, that's that's key. Definitely. Yeah. I, th- I think I really agree with that. And that, that resonates because so many times a, a culture that kills is filled with individuals, right? And they're individuals and not a team because over years of experience and, and whatever else, you know, there's been breakdowns and, and beatdowns and just berating and all kinds of negative things that have separated people and yeah. have created this well, you know, I'm just going to mine what's mine and you mine what's yours. And, and that's how this is going to be. And that's how I'm going to survive. It's a survival thing, right? That's right. Yeah. So that goes back to having that voice or not having that voice. If you don't have a platform to uh, either vent or, you know, state your, uh, your terms and say, hey, listen, I don't think this is right. If you don't have somebody to talk to like that or you don't have, um, you feel like you can't say anything without getting the ax, then you're probably not going to say it. So if you're in that situation, you know, you're going to have to find different ways. It's just like anything else. You're going to have great teachers in this life. But if you don't, you know, you're going to have good teachers and bad teachers. If you um, want to learn as much as you can, you're going to have to absorb and figure out a way to learn, figure out a way, a better way to, to live. If you just make that choice, okay. I could fall right into line with the rest of these negative guys, or I can be a guiding light and be try to be positive. You know, you want to do that, of course, in this trade without kind of sounding like a a nerd or like <laughs> like a, 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 a goody two shoes or a know it all. You don't want to fall into that role either, definitely. But sure, but it's that that selflessness. The how am I helping somebody else in my team? How It's not even about helping the company or helping the, the boss. I mean, yeah, sure, those are great things. But if we had a company filled with, filled with people who were so concerned about their brother on the left and the right side of them that they would do whatever it takes to help them out, they're going to help train them. They're going to help cover their own call. They're going to they're going to go help them pull a, a well pump out of a, you know a 400 foot put, uh, pit. Like they're going to do whatever it takes to help that out because they want to see them succeed. If we had a company like that that existed, it, it's less about pleasing the management and pleasing the company because that's going to happen. Because well, yeah. that's what that's what it's management not, and the company wants. It's right? not what if. It's yeah. That's here. That's that's the way it is here. I think. Uh, you know. I think that. There is guys that would be willing to you know, give the shirt off their back if they if they needed to. Um, right, and it's that desire to see somebody else succeed that will 
it will ultimately allow you to succeed. Right. I mean, that's, what, that's, that's a Zig Ziglar quote, right, Brian? If, if I help enough people get what they want, I'll get so what I want. You can have everything you want in life if you just help enough people get what they want. Yeah. yeah. And, and to have that type of environment, that type of culture where that's what people are embodying, I mean, I, I think you hit it right on the nose there, Todd. It's that selflessness that allows for a killer culture to develop into something that people really want to be a part of. Yeah, and I think I think that's a flip of perception. You know, you, you, you're going to have to be open to different ideas. I would say the best advice that I would have for any technician, any, any younger person that I have, even if it's not in work, keep your mind open. Walk into every demographic. You know, walk into a trailer, a mobile home, the same way you would walk into a mansion trying to keep your eyes open and trying to absorb. You can learn so much if you just keep your eyes open. Um, and then you have the opportunity. The, the definition of luck is preparing yourself for that opportunity. So if you have your, your blinders on, you're not focused on, um, you're focused on something else or you get a hiccup and there's, there's some negative aspect to it, try to let that roll off your leg and go, go to the next thing. You know, Keep picking it back up. Go back to those those uh, reset points. Um, coaching baseball, if you have a breakdown in a swing or a pitch or a throw, you tell younger players, reset, reset your feet. Go go back to that foundation. Go Get back, back to, to those know. those little things that you know are that you know are to be good. Just do that. Just reset, and you're going to have to do a constant reevaluation. You're going to have to listen to audiobooks, podcasts about positivity, and and um, you know. It, one of the other good things that's here is like, so you go across the lines from Ben Franklin to one hour or Mr. Sparky. Um, there's a, a culture in place that we talk to each other and it's like we share experiences, not only experiences, but uh, tricks of the trade. Freeze is gold. Love Freeze uh, and Jamie too. Like some of the things that they lay down, some of the tricks are not tricks, but I should say the knowledge that they have. If you open yourself and, you know, it doesn't even have to be a um, a like uh, you know, a like-minded individual. Like you don't have to have the same personality to be able to pick up and absorb um, some of the knowledge that they have. You have to get that out of that playing field. So be able to, to like you know, e even though the the person might not be the same as you or have the same ideals, you still want to pick up as much as you can from that person. I walk in. Like when I was prejudging a customer, you walk in thinking, okay, what could I possibly learn from this guy? You know, I have to put booties on because it smells like cat urine so bad in their house, or I gotta, I gotta spray WD-40 on my boots so the roaches don't run up my legs. <laughs> you can still learn from that. You can learn what not to do. You can, you know, you can. Uh, maybe the guy had just had a, he was a Vietnam vet. He had troubles in life, and sure. you get this self-defense mechanism. Uh, as human beings, we get into a situation, I know I do, some of the spots I have to crawl into, where you're under a trailer and you're like, okay, this could be worse. It could be wor It could be raining. Uh, this could be way worse. And you get to <laughs> As that the point, thunder cracks. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, you zip, zip this underskirt open and a liquefied yeah. dead cat pops out at you and you're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> time for that visual. Whoa. Yeah. So it can always be worse. You have to keep that into perception too. So... Hey, good stuff today, Todd, and I appreciate your, uh, not only your perspective on things as you've, you've lived and walked through a number of different cultures, yeah. but also the appreciation that you have uh, that, that's been derived from that. Like, you know, in, in 
the one thing about perspective is that you can't buy it. That's right. You, you need to walk it out. You need to live through all that stuff. And, and as frustrating and um, challenging as it is to look back on all those situations and, and realize how bad it was or how it could have been so much better, it Make gives sure. you an appreciation now. Definitely. Right. I'm so grateful to be here. Best decision I've ever made. So yeah. educating, edu- being able to lift people up, I'm grateful for that. Um, so, yeah, definitely a good flip of perception. I'm constantly doing that, you know, learning how to think. It's, it's definitely, you got to keep yourself open to that. If, you, uh, if you're ignorant, you're not going to go very far. But if you're positive, you'll lift people up and you'll do good. Right. And uh, to to kind of paraphrase Bill Hybels, uh, which is uh, a leadership author, he talks about if if, an, if enough leaders will humble themselves to learn from other people, they will become better leaders by nature, even if they have differences. You mentioned it earlier about right. differences in uh, just, you know, personality or whatever, yeah. you can you can keep learning. That, and I think that's another piece uh, that is critical in a killer culture is yeah. people who want to learn and get better. Yeah, the humility and uh, empathy, trying to put it put each other's thoughts in each other's shoes. Yep. So ask yourself those questions. Like Todd said, what's the last thing that I did for somebody else that wasn't solely focused on me? Am I willing to learn? Am, am I looking to get better? And if the answer to those questions are uh, yes, and recently I did this, then then great. Keep doing that. Keep building the culture around you. Be a light, even if it is in the darkness. Um, and, you know, of course, there's that can become contagious, and that's really what we want to happen. And put systems in place, you know, if you are in a management spot, you're a different company that you're looking for ideas to better expand and better grow a, a positive, happy culture in within your organization, have, uh, you know, have engines that, that can give you checks and balances and really take the point of view from, you know, shop tax, call takers, every aspect of you know, dispatching, Try to get everybody's ideas and yep. check your uh, ego at the door and just really listen to what they have to say. Yeah. Good stuff today, Todd. Thanks so much for being on the podcast with us. Great. I appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, just give a shout out to all the the whole aspect of all of our team, you know, from yep. shop tax, dispatch, call takers, management, and, of course, the owners. appreciate it. Thank you very much. Right on. Well, we can't let you go without doing a couple – Questions for you at the yo, end yo, here. Sit back down. He's halfway out the door. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Todd. Uh, I know you're a very technical guy, uh, very handy with you know how you you construct and even understand things. So I'm sure you have some experience. Tell us about something impressive that you've built on your own. Other than my family itself, I guess um, the building a plumbing service department. Um, would be an intangible thing. Sure. Uh, tangible would be like uh, I built a fountain, uh, rock wall fountain with waterfalls and uh, a lot of tubing that I soldered up. So, yeah, whole plumbing systems. Nice. Um, that would be like uh, I, I used to build uh, accumulators on a refrigeration line. All right. That was on a younger younger level, but and I had guidance definitely. But, yeah, you feel good about building those things and like, Wow. I nice. did that, and it's not going anywhere. Or I can drive through a development and say, yeah, I put the plumbing in that house. 
My wife's like, yeah, I know. You told me a hundred times. <laughs> that, that, that's a pretty common thing with anybody that works in the home services industry driving around. Oh, yeah. Their kids love it, let me tell you. Yeah, Dad, we know. <laughs> we know how great you are, Dad. Yeah, right. The plumbing in that house. Uh, <laughs> oh, hooray. Hooray for you. That's cool. great, Dad. Yeah, yeah. All right, Todd, uh, I'm sure you have some hobbies. Tell us about your favorite hobby and how you, uh, like what you do on a weekend with it. I guess... Uh, most recent hobby I've gotten into, uh, shooting, uh, guns and ammo and nice. You doing long range or handhelds or what? I'm working on a gun that'll be a better long range gun, uh, but more like, uh, indoor range. 3d printing it for all the police officers (laughs) out there. No, no, no. Everything's registered. Plenty of numbers on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Nice. All right. That's very cool. But I guess, yeah, being in a technical trade, you don't have hobbies. You're fixing things with your hands all day. Uh, (laughs) Your hobbies are hanging out with your kids or, you know. Knitting. Chopping wood. I've been doing a lot of that. I live in the woods and uh, a lot of work to do. And, you know, you just try to constantly work. My wife will will disagree, you know, but (laughs) I'm not constantly working. (laughs) All right. uh, If you could go back and tell your 18-year-old self, uh, a piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, man. That's hard. That's a tough one. I would say um, keep an open mind. Um, you could tell them how many things? One thing? Well, I mean, I guess you could do... I'm, I'm focusing on one because yeah. your 18-year-old self probably yeah. isn't hearing more than one thing. <laughs> I would say... Uh, Go right into go right into residential plumbing. Get your master's license as soon as you can, um, and yeah, try to make it about positivity. Nice. Uh, let's see. If uh, you had a plane ticket to anywhere, where are you flying? That's a good one. Um, I've also yeah, I've always wanted to see the Scottish Highlands. Um, some of the places and. Where they shot like Lord of the Rings, Braveheart. Pretty... What's that? Braveheart. Yeah. Oh yeah. I think Lord of the Rings was actually shot in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Some of that was. But I'll yeah. take a flight to either. Even yeah, like uh, some of those the uh, forests of Nottingham or whatever it was, like those those wicked forests with all the tree roots. Yeah. And, Very cool. Uh, yeah, Hawaii is kind of cliche. My wife wants to go there, and that's cool. But yeah, eh, I'll I was go thinking there. the same thing. I'll take a weekend and do that. <laughs> but I mean, as far as like more adventurous, something like that, yeah, I would say uh, Ireland, Scotland. Do a tour of uh, the Guinness factory. That'd be cool. Kiss the Blarney Stone, something <laughs> there like you that. Go. Yeah, right. Forgot about the Blarney Stone. Yeah, nice. Okay, last one for you. Um, Tell us something surprising about you, something that uh, we wouldn't... Something that we, you would be surprised yes, about. Yes, be surprised me, about. To, to find out. That I was a, a pantry chef in a banquet garmage before I was a plumber. Um, really? Yeah. What is... Did you say garmage? Yeah, banquet garmage is the guy that goes and makes like uh, road... Uh, Roses and flowers out of vegetables, or uh, oh my goodness, you take things and garnish. Uh, you do ice sculpting, um, and then you're that face uh, out in, in a country club slicing meat or making omelets, or whipping up uh, a tableside 
Caesar salad where you're crushing the anchovies in a cork bowl and My man. making stuff from hand. So since then, you know, people ask me that, are you still a cook? No, I'm not. <laughs> I was going to say, do you I, know your way around the kitchen at home? I do, but, you know, my wife is a better cook than I am, and I've lost, I've pushed so much of that knowledge out of my head with all the other technical stuff that I learned. I forgot a lot of it. I still have the, you know, I can grill better than anything anymore. So sure. Uh, That's yeah. awesome. That's hey, cool. well, uh, you know, from, from turning celery to turning wrenches, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. My dad gives me uh crap about that. He's like, well, you, you quit as a chef. If you're not going to catch it on one end, you're going to get it on the other. <laughs> Cause he was always trying to go, have me go after a tangible skill. So I picked culinary arts because people always need to eat. And then I picked plumbing because it would come out the other end and you need to wash your hands. <laughs> I'm with you. So. Hey, good stuff today, Todd. Thanks so much for being on with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. That's a wrap it. for us in this podcast. Uh, we hope that you are a part of a killer culture and not one that kills. Uh, if not, you know, we believe that we have a killer culture here and we would love to talk to you about coming and joining our team. Uh, we are always looking for people to add to our culture and build it up. But let me tell you, that bar is not low. Uh, we see a lot of people in our conference room, and we see a lot of people walk back out. Uh, and so we are, we're constantly looking to better ourselves, uh, not only with uh, training and, and just getting better, but also to better ourselves with adding people to our team who are going to push us to the next level. And so we'd love to talk to you uh, and, and learn more about you. You can find us on wastenoday.com. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, drop us a line in the comments and just look us up. Uh, as far as this podcast goes, remember, it's a, a designed to be an encouragement to you, a challenge to you. Don't allow yourself to just sit around in a negative culture and, and weep into nothing. You know, look for something better. Make it better yourself. There is other opportunities out there. You can become a person that uplifts others and builds the culture. You don't have to always sink down. So make sure that that's you. Make sure that you are reaching for that next level, that you're helping somebody else out, that you are that selfless person who is looking to help your brother. Uh, and and you know, join us if you can. We'd love to hear from you. So the challenge here is that you spend your days seeking the next thing, that you spend your days not settling, and that you wake up every single morning and choose to waste no day. This podcast is a production of the South Central Pennsylvania branch of One Hour Heating and Air Conditioning, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, and Mr. Sparky Electric. Come